Fatality Fitness Podcast, covering everything from fitness, health, and nutrition with your host, Matthew Smiley, covering top topics and answering all your fitness Q&As with featured guests. Hello and welcome to the Fatality Fitness Podcast and on this episode I have Dr. Sally Bell. Sally, how are you doing? I'm great, yes, good to meet up and see you. Brilliant. Um, So before we go on and talk about subject of today we're going to talk about is obviously uh, gut health, but tell us a bit about you, your background and your story. Yeah, sure. So um, so I'm Dr. Sally and I'm the founder of um, my little company, Dr. Sally Bell, and I've been a medical doctor for 22 years. Um, and probably about halfway through my career, I felt um, as a GP more like a sort of pharmaceutical vending machine than I did uh, a healer. And I'd got to the point where I just was really tired of just focusing on treating diseases and not people, of suppressing symptoms and not really getting to the root of why people are unwell and just treating a part of you instead of treating the whole of you. And so after losing my own health and kind of going through the NHS and getting my, um, you know, label and my drugs, I, uh, I just asked some questions about, gosh, what does my body need to heal? And I went back to the books and um, I'm surprised how much had changed in terms the science over the sort of last 20 or 30 years since I trained. And and I developed a framework um, using the five foundations to health, sleep, movement, nutrition, rest, and connection as a way to kind of create um, like an environment around our genetic material, which which knows how to heal and knows how to repair. And I've used that to recover my own health. I've guided hundreds of people, you know, back to health using that, having my own little private clinic now. Um, and I teach online and I'm very passionate about campaigning. Um, you know, for access to real food. And central to all of that is gut health. Like if we get our gut health right, um, a whole host of things um, starts getting better. So it's great to be talking about such a relevant um, topic. Yeah. When we talk about you healing, helping people, what kind of what kind of issues were people kind of having that were coming to you? What kind of uh, maybe yeah, symptoms? Yeah, so, I mean, it's really Yeah, I mean, as a GP, I obviously see everything. Um, You know, the NHS is brilliant, but it was born out of a time of sort of, you know, acute problems, um, you know, infectious diseases, you know, one problem, one solution. Um, But we have a problem now in our nation where probably 70 to 80 percent of what I see is what we call chronic disease. And that really covers everything, you know, from our mental health issues to um, our diabetes, our heart disease, our obesity, right through to the autoimmune diseases that we're seeing, um, you know, and it just sort of goes on and on. And and the thing is, is that. Um, we used to think it was all about genetics, you know, what, you know, it's all because of the gene that you got from your parents. But when you look at the research, actually 80 to 90% of the causes for all of these diseases is our lifestyle. It's how we move, how we sleep, how we eat, how we connect. Um, and, and so, and how, and how we rest, like stress is another big part of that. And, and so, you know, if we have got lifestyle you know, issues, we need a lifestyle solution and we cannot just keep medicating everything that's rooted in lifestyle. So I see everything from obesity, heart disease, depression, 
um, hormonal issues, um, pregnancy issues. Like I really do see a lot. And, and actually, it's amazing that when you, um, you know, you get those foundations right, like our body um, has that ability to heal, like it has an innate ability to stay cancer free, to keep our emotions stable, to keep our sugars stable, um, to repair our bodies. Um, but we're just so out of whack that our body can't do the very thing that it's created to do. Um, so it really puts agency back, you know, in our hands. Like we don't have to rely on the pharmaceutical industry or the doctor to get better. We can actually start recovering our own health using these foundations. Yeah, and the, obviously the the main thing that we want to talk about. So if we had to um, tell listeners gut health, what would be what would we be talking about in that kind of sense? Like how can we break that down into terms yeah, for them you understand they, they totally like there's an element where you could have uh, a, a dysfunctional gut and not have any gut symptoms so usually when people think of gut symptoms you're thinking of bloating and wind and pain and you know sort of pain when you're eating and maybe sort of constipation and things like that and, and people think they've got a gut issue and something i'm um, called irritable bowel syndrome is something that you know is a big part of my work actually a lot of people um, struggle and wrestle with that so but i'm talking not just about when things don't feel right and when people are struggling with those symptoms the thing about the gut is is in our large bowel we have trillions and trillions and trillions of bacteria and again, in the 90s, when I trained, like we had no idea why they were important. Um, and really, you know, I'm a bit older than you, but I kind of grew up in a time where, you know, you had to sanitize everything and bacteria were bad and, you know, antibiotics for everything. But we now understand over the last of 10, 15 years that those bacteria are doing amazing jobs for us and actually keeping us healthy. And when that bacteria um, becomes disrupted and an unhealthy um, you know, group of bacteria, it's actually linked with diseases right from autism through to your heart disease, even obesity, you know, through to your Alzheimer's and your dementia and, you know, and all the other diseases in between. That actually when we get our gut bacteria right, um, it, they actually work for us and they keep us healthy. So there's two things when people are thinking about gut, you know, the ones that have got the symptoms, but as a medic now, I'm starting to understand that it, it's deeper than that. You might have no symptoms, but we still need to be um, creating a lifestyle that really supports the healthy gut bacteria. Yeah, that's it, thing. Um, so as you said, that's like the key indicators that someone's maybe gut health isn't functioning might be like bloatiness, heartburn, diarrhea, yeah. indigestion, constipation. So what can yeah. be the main causes of kind of this dysfunctional kind of gut or kind of poor gut health? Yeah, so again, if we split it into two, if we talk about the bacteria a bit in a minute, because that can be a problem even without symptoms. And then, you know, you've got people who are struggling with symptoms. Like it's always worth when you've got new symptoms, especially say you've got a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome and they change as you get older. It's really important to have a discussion, you know, with your doctor. We always want to exclude, you know, in the older generation, particularly we want to exclude cancer. But there are other things like an intolerance to um, gluten, a, a disease 
disease called celiac, which is an autoimmune disease. And there's inflammatory bowel diseases as well, which um, we, we, we mustn't miss. And, and so, you know, often what happens is we, as, a, as a, a medic, we exclude all of those diseases with special blood tests or examinations. And then if we find no other reason, we often label you with irritable bowel syndrome, um, tell you you have it for life and often um, suggest some medication and maybe managing your stress. Um, but the other thing is, is looking after those gut bacteria, regardless of whether you've got any symptoms. And that has everything to do with how you're born, how you're weaned to our diet, our sleep and our stress um, and actually um, we need to be looking after our gut regardless of whether we have symptoms and be thinking about those foundations to really avoid chronic disease um, and actually just to say like often when I have complex people come to me and with all sorts of problems and if I get stuck when I start focusing on gut health you wouldn't believe what gets better people people's acne gets better their aches and pains go away you know their obesity improves like it's amazing what you see as of downstream when you kind of start with gut health yeah one of the things that you mentioned there and i watched it on your your webinar was obviously like saying that people have maybe if i came to you and you say to me like we, we have a, a gluten problem it, it don't totally eliminate it it could be the it could be the process of the you're saying that the it was the could be the way that that, that certain bread was made yeah so then start to yeah. then so yeah, so totally. Like when I'm approaching somebody that's got gut issues, like the first one of the first things I do, you know, is look at sleep and stress because we know that sleep deprivation, you know, it, you know, so anything less than six hours asleep, you know, it has massive issues on our gut function. And and you can do what you want. You can eat the most perfect diet, but if you're sleep deprived, you're not going to get better. Um, and the same like with stress. Like stress is a pandemic, and it it is just having a devastating effect um, on our body and and the thing is it's not just we think of stress as like I don't know speaking in public and a work deadline or an argument with um, the boss or the wife but you know actually stress we we have a stress response when we hear the beep on our telephone when you know when uh, an email pops up or you know the noise of the traffic and constantly this stress response is going on in our body and when we are stressed what happens the body goes into this hyper alert um you know sort of state where it actually thinks it's in danger and when it does that it completely shuts down the blood flow to you know to your gut and so your gut won't function so again like way before i'm thinking about diet and whether there's problems with gluten i'm, I'm establishing sleep and i'm establishing you know really uh, aggressively you know uh, getting rid of stress um, and then i will start looking at the nutrition piece um, and again, you know, it, when we're looking at the nutrition piece, you know, 60% of our diet in the UK is from highly processed food, like food our body doesn't even recognize, you know, 60 years ago. Um, and it doesn't know what to do with it. And it's full of additives. It doesn't even resemble, you know, the natural food that we've evolved to eat. Um, and it is really, really damaging our health. And, and so the biggest thing that we can do way before we start wondering if we've got intolerances or allergies or is actually get back to a real diet with real food um, and, and, and getting back to sort of seasonal local produce. When you're talking about the stress, that was the thing that I wanted to talk about was in regards to mm. um, eating habits. So sitting watching a, a dramatic TV programme when you're trying to eat your dinner 
and you're already without yeah. knowing about it as you're putting yourself into that kind of stress response is that is that something that we need yeah. to kind of break down with people is like think about have a look at their yeah. eating habits before we look at what they're actually eating and stuff yeah what they're eating. yeah so totally like actually for our gut to function properly we it starts getting ready to digest way before we put anything in our mouth actually it's anticipation the smell of food handling food you know the thought of going to eat that gets everything ready it's actually eating the same time of day and our, and our body gets used to when we're going to eat and then you know when we do eat you know the chewing is really really important um, and then you know to really get Get our body uh, functioning properly and ready for digestion. It needs to be in that rest and repair state and not that stress response. And that's where breathing, like you've mentioned about how breathing's had a big impact on your life over the last year and how breathing is a wonderful thing, just a couple of minutes before you eat to pull you out of that stress response and get yourself into a place, you know, where you, where your body's ready to digest and ready to eat. So, and, and yeah, we need to get rid of our screens. You know, food is more than and just digestion it's about connection it's connecting with family it's about us connecting with our food um and so you know making it a kind of sacred ritual again uh, where we love and we're, we're engaging with our foods just as important do you think that's been something of recent years that we have lost connection with is like used to be a thing that would you would make it in an event to sit down as a family meal mm-hmm. and now we've kind of lost that it's like people yeah. will go into separate rooms or whatever and take their meal and watch tv or sit on their mm-hmm. phone and do you feel that that's something that needs to be brought back and yeah, something that we've I mean, lost recently i think totally like obviously people are in different situations but you know i've got three girls and um we have a family meal every day and um and 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 in that time you know we talk about the highs and lows of our days and for my girls, it's a safe place. You know, they know they can come, they know they can connect, they know that they're heard. You know, food is something that they're seeing how I eat, they're mimicking and copying me, I'm setting them example. So I think bringing the table back into the home, you know, again, is so much more than just good nutrition. It's also about bringing families together. We're a social species. And, um, you know, there's incredible amount of research in an area called sociogenomics, which looks at the impact of our social interaction on our genes and on disease and it shows that that sense of social isolation um, actually is a stronger um, driver in disease than you know our diabetes and our smoking and our on our blood pressure and so you could come into my clinic and I could reverse your diabetes get you off the cigarettes you know get you drinking better and uh, but if I don't deal with the fact that you feel isolated and and you feel disconnected you're still going to have that heart attack Um, and so yes having rituals in our day that can connect us um, and realizing the profound effect that it has on our mental and our physical health um, is really important and it's just the simple things we don't have to do anything complicated we don't have to spend any money and go anywhere uh, we just need to bring some of those sacred rituals back into our home yeah and that, that being the cause and also with the, the other thing with the eating habits and, and, and as well is like obviously the, the food is in abundance now it's like you can pick up your mobile phone and get any kind of food delivered to the mm-hmm. door um, mm-hmm. obviously that, that seems to be something that's obviously been an issue recently would you, would you agree with that as well? Yes, yeah I mean if you look at COVID-19 the thing that is you know linked to why people are dying is diet related illness without a doubt and yet what we've done as a government is we've made takeaways the most accessible thing possible it's totally insane Mm -hmm. and then don't start 
don't start me on hospital food. I mean, <laughs> really, like, um, so, 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 you know, diet is just one of the key things that we've got wrong as a nation. And that's why we're so sick. Um, and, and that's why we are the fattest nation in Europe. Um, I mean, it's fascinating with the fattest nation in Europe, and yet we're actually malnourished. You know, we are fat on empty calories and those building blocks that our body needs to keep us disease free and to keep us cancer free. It doesn't have um, because it's not in our diet anymore because we eat this very highly processed um, food and um, which is devoid of this nutrition and we need to get back to sort of nutrient dense food and whole food so that our body has what it needs to do i mean it, it it's not rocket science <laughs> it's yeah. like you give our body what it needs you, you 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 live by design by how it's designed and it will do you well and uh, you will live well you'll feel good and you'll live long um but you but we can't tweak you know, we can't medicate. We we have to make some changes and they're going to be inconvenient to us. Um, but otherwise, we're going to carry on suffering with this burden of disease, which is robbing us, you know, of our health and our children and our children's health. And I think, it, as you say, that's a big thing that, that takeaways have been so accessible during the COVID-19 and obviously gyms being closed. There's going to be a massive, mm-hmm. like, we need to make a, a massive change, especially coming out the other mm-hmm. side of this. Like, um, because obviously health service is going to be overrun with people who are suffering from all these type of diseases that you've mm-hmm. mentioned because obviously the yeah. food has been in abundance and health hasn't been their main priority mm-hmm. when we look at that so I think that's something to look yeah. at can we look at um, how so obviously we spoke about sleep and stress can we pull it back to kind of if you've got someone um improving their eating habits and they are starting to have maybe bloatiness, heartburn, all the kind of symptoms, what would be your process there? Is it like a a FODMAP or elimination diet? How would you work away to that? Yeah. So I think um, if I've established good sleep and stress and slowing people's eating down, which often just resolves so much, um, some of the key things, especially sort of around heartburn and and bloating is, um, you know, being careful with caffeine and coffee and being really careful with alcohol. That would be my first step is taking some things like simply like that out, especially caffeine. People don't always... Um, understand just you know what a powerful drug it is and the impact it can have on our body it's it's wonderful it's you know coffee is full of wonderful antioxidants but it can be a real irritant um so and and then you know at that point um I mean, it's really interesting. It's such a massive topic. I don't like FODMAP um, as a diet. I, I rarely use it. I rarely have to use it because uh, it's one of those things that I'd have way down on the list. Um, and so if I'm moving somebody to a whole food diet and they're still problematic, and obviously I've excluded horrible other causes, um, you know, I would probably look at uh, dairy and gluten and, and maybe try eliminating that for a short period of time. Um, so food intolerance, so this food allergies and intolerances are very different. Um, but there's a lot of intolerances where often, um, you know, you can take them out of your diet. You have to do it for three weeks um, completely in every form. You have to check every label. And then the key is, you know, being mindful of your symptoms. Have they resolved? And what you have to do is reintroduce it again. 
Um, and if you reintroduce that food like dairy or, um, you know, your gluten and it flares your symptoms up, then you have your, you know, you have your problem, yeah. um, you know, of what's causing the problem. So it's very, I, I could talk about three R's when you're looking at intolerances. So it's, um, it's remove, record. So recording your symptoms and reintroducing are just so essential um, when you're trying to work out um, food intolerances. And I, and I think my nervousness with food intolerances and people doing elimination diets is, um, it, it is it's a really complicated subject, subject and often it needs support done well um, because actually you can have an intolerance to something raw but not cooked. You can have an you know, intolerance to highly processed bread and you think it's gluten but you tolerate sourdough because it's been fermented and or, or you have an intolerance to the sugars in milk but not necessarily the proteins so it might be that you can go lactose-free. So it is quite a complicated um, subject, but I would never start with FODMAP. I don't like it as a diet. It was very, very faffy and restrictive. Um, and as I said, it would be something that I'd be way down there. But if it was coming to thinking about foods, the most common foods that people have problems with, with intolerances are, are gluten, which is a protein found in um, barley, wheat and rye um, and, and often sort of dairy. But even then, go and get some real dairy that's sort of organic and grass fed and just down the road, you probably would be fine on it compared to the processed dairy that we get. Yeah. Um, but that yeah, was, does that help? Yeah, that was something that you, were, you kind of spoke about was like obviously rather than removing it completely try a different and, and you know what it's like it's like everybody's different in so many different ways and it? it's like yeah. one thing might work for you one thing might not and um, when we look yeah. when you're looking at that that was more like kind of tolerances and kind of removing things and then adding them back in is there certain things that you probably find in a lot of people's diet that are more uh, deficiencies that people are maybe lacking in before and then adding them in before we look at removing first yeah, so I think um, that I think as a nation we have a massive, massive problem with um, uh, with fats and sugar. So we have way too much sugar in our diet; it's toxic to our bodies, um, and we have to start denormalizing sugar and getting it back into um, its proper box of being a treat and then we have this issue around fats and the reason i just mentioned them both at the same time is if you reduce sugar and you don't increase your fat life is totally miserable and um and fats we need to befriend fats but we have a problem in that um the fats that are in our processed food um often they're called industrialized seed oils and they're very very inflammatory um and they're in everything and uh, there's a process in our body called inflammation it's just a simple thing you know if you cut yourself it goes red and gooey and then it heals up that's inflammation it's just some a mechanism that goes on in our body and it's a good thing but we understand when we start unpacking and looking under the hood of chronic disease that inflammation over inflammation is one of the things that's driving disease and we have a real problem with it and one of the reasons is sleep deprivation and stress but also that our diets are very inflammatory and part of the problem is we have all of these industrialized seed oils um, in our diet that are very inflammatory and we don't have enough of the calming oils which on the whole 
come from small fatty fish, um, freshwater fish. And, and, and so we have this real imbalance. And so you should have a nice balance of these oils, our omega-6s, our omega-3s, and it's sort of a one-to-one balance. But what we have in the Western diet is like 15 to one, where it's pro-inflammation and it's driving disease and driving gut issues and driving dysfunction with our gut bacteria. And so, so the befriending fats thing is actually getting the industrialized seed oils, which is your sunflower, safflower, cotton oil, soy oil. Often, in, if you're looking on a label, it just says vegetable oil. Um, it's, they're not vegetables. So they need to be, get it out of our diet. And we need to bring back some of these more traditional fats. And we need to, you know, lots of olive oil and, and avocado oil and, you know, our fish oils. Um, you know, and I'm really pro-saturated fat. I don't think it's an issue in our diet. Um, and getting back to some of those traditional fats. So, so that's one of the things I really look at in people's diets is, is getting the carbs down, the refined carbs down, getting the sugar down, befriending fat, getting the fats right. Um, and often it's amazing to see um, the impact that that has. It makes people feel fuller. They enjoy their food more um, and it helps calm down a lot of inflammation in our body. Yeah, I think I think you're right in what it's, you're saying. It's like the way it's been marketed fat and everybody thinks it's a bad thing and, and, and the thing is is obviously yeah. we need fat for hormonal problems a lot of people will get as they've got if they're very low in, in fat content um especially the good fats we're talking about um yeah. so all of our hormones are made from cholesterol like you know all our sex sorry all our sex hormones and our stress hormone are made from cholesterol and we wonder with older men we stick them on these statins put their cholesterol in their boots and wonder why i'll have issues with libido and um you know or we go on these low fat diets and actually yeah fat isn't just about energy it's about it's actually part of our immunity you know our ability to fight coronavirus and as well as communication molecules as well as hormones as you know just phenomenal and it's just so lax sort of insight just you know demonizing a food group and 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 and, you know as if fats are all the same and befriending fat and brain health like massive you know 60 percent of our brain is fat and we wonder why we're having a crisis with alzheimer's and dementia and it's because we've shoved people on low-fat diets for 30 years and the brains are literally starved you know of those nutrients i've actually got someone Um, i've got somebody going to come on on. and talk i've actually got someone but to come on and talk about from fat um and how a high fat diet might be better for cognitive function and as you say it's like it's totally yeah, yeah 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 And those fish oils are really, really important for eye health and brain health in particular. There's there's some uh, there's some little uh, omega threes called EPA and DHA, just so important for mental health. And so that's one of the areas where if people don't eat fish, you know, I always get them on a fish oil supplement of about 500 milligrams of EPA and DHA. And 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 if um, and if they're vegan or vegetarian, then you can get EPA and DHA from algae. Um, so you can get supplements now from the algae. We don't know whether you can absorb them or whether the body can use them yet but we're looking at where the research you know is going and and vegans and vegetarians will say well you can make this epa and dha from walnuts and flaxseed but what they don't understand is that 
the body really struggles to, and it only converts about 5% of it. And this is one of my massive issues with pushing the vegan movement without the knowledge of, you know, how to do that well and how, you know, and just this idea that it's healthy. Well, it, well, it can be healthy, yeah. you know, totally. Um, but when you really need to understand food. Um, and so often one of my most common supplements to have people on would be fish oils. Is that the other one that the people seem to lack in when we look at a, a kind of vegan diet? Is it uh, vitamin B12? Yeah, so um, B12, uh, you know, zinc, iron, um, uh, choline, you know, they're, they're often, you know, common deficiencies. And so it's not, it, it, you just need to be aware you need to supplement well. Um, you know, with protein, like most of my vegan people that come to me, my patients are really profoundly not getting enough protein in their diet. And that's, you know, again, it's not just about muscle, it's about hormonal health, it's about immunity, like protein has so many wonderful functions and and the thing is with plant proteins is that they're not complete they don't give us all of the building blocks so you always have to mix them up um, and then animal proteins you know are way more easy for our body to digest they're complete proteins and they have a lot of other nutrition coming with it and um, and so it's you know I'm not I have some wonderful vegan friends I learn from them a huge amount um, but uh, but you do I think for somebody who has no background in that and just thinks taking meat out of the diet is healthy and doesn't understand that, well, actually, you've then got to really work hard at improving your protein yeah. and looking at getting those other nutrients and supplementing well. Um, I think it, I just think it's really naive. And um, uh, but but you can, you can do it, but it, it, you just need to be educated about yeah. it and have the support. Do it well. But again, it works the other way around as well. It's like people who just want a high fat, high protein diet that think they just eat meat and stuff. Like you need to get plants yeah. in there. Like it's, it can yeah. work both ways. So when we when we yeah. look at um, obviously the five foundations: sleep, nutrition, movement, rest, and, diet, and connection. What would be if you had to tell someone to kind of measure three things to kind of measure their health? What what tools would you mm -hmm. tell them to use to kind of measure? Yeah, I think um, I think for our nation, I think sleep. So you know, and actually using some kind of app to measure sleep because sleep touches every single part of your body, um, and and it heals different things as it goes along. And sort of later on in our sleep cycle, we should be having seven and a half to nine hours of sleep, not in bed. Um, and and later in that cycle is very important for mental health, and we often miss that. And I think that's why we're having such a mental health crisis is partly sleep. So I would be monitoring my sleep. Um, and and, um, and getting help uh, with sleep if that's an issue. Uh, and then, you know, I, I love the um, aura ring because it measures heart rate variability, um, which isn't heart rate. And, uh, but also it's a great measure of our stress response. And, and again, so I think it's a good tool to work out where we are physically around um, stress and health. Um, and then I, uh, uh, yeah, three things. The third thing, gosh, to measure. Do you mean tools or do you mean at symptoms or? No, to, to, I mean, how do you feel? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a thing. It could be just how you feel, and it's just a, a bit of journalism, yeah. maybe in the morning, and writing yeah. down how you're actually, how you're. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we're created to enjoy life and not that, you know, we have to be 100% everything and and we need to respect our need for rest and recovery. I mean, you'd know that as a personal trainer. In order to get stronger, you have to do a bit of damage and then you have to rest and repair. And if you don't, you know, you just will never get strong because you're constantly causing damage. And it's the same for us. But I, but I, you know, for, for, for our whole health, we need to rest and repair and push and, 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 and have a rhythm there. But I think on the whole, you know if we looked over a week do we have energy you know um you know is there a sense of well-being you know because we were created for that and and um and we have lost that in our crazy busy life um and we we seem to think we can buy it <laughs> but actually what we need is some rhythms and some foundations in life if what we're really pursuing is that that sense of happiness and well-being yeah I think, and again it goes back to like as you say eating routines and stuff it's like having a routine of actually writing down or journalizing how you feel or even uh, a food diary uh, writing down yeah. what you're eating and, and how you feel with that yeah. are you still feeling a sense yeah. of hunger how do you uh, do you feel full after it or do, are you still feeling low in energy whatever yeah. fatigue um but other things that i use the other tools that i've used in the morning is i've started getting a routine to take my blood sugars um but again, that wasn't really from a wasn't from a kind of nutrition point of view. It was a kind of it's, it's crazy to see because if, if I've had a poor night's sleep and I don't track my sleep, if I take my blood sugars and my blood sugars are high, I know I've had a poor night's sleep just straight away from my yes. blood sugars. Yeah, so I, in clinic, I also look at fasting insulin. So before your sugars go wrong, um, you have, you can have an issue with insulin, which is our sugar hormone. Um, so, so I think from a clinical point of view, I think some of the measures we use in conventional medicine of just weight and blood pressure, you know, and even sugars really are, are way down the line. Things have gone wrong way before you get to a problem there. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so, yes, things like our, you know, fasting insulin um yes looking at, at blood sugar control because as you said earlier you know your response to a food will be very different to mine partly because of our different gut bacteria but it will also depend on how you've slept and how stressed you are and and so so nutrition is very very personalized um and so to personalize it heart rate variability is wonderful blood sugar control is wonderful um, you know, as, as helpful ways of kind of measuring uh, wellness. But there's, I mean, I do a lot more sort of advanced testing as well, nutritional testing and heart health testing that really looks upstream at what's happening kind of at a cellular level. But on the whole, those things aren't available on the NHS. So yeah. it seems a bit unfair to talk about it. <laughs> what's, your, um, what's your thoughts on fasting for gut health? Yeah, beautiful. Like fasting, again, it's one of those things. It touches every area of our body. It's a reset for around appetite hormones. It's hugely helpful in weight loss, um, hugely helpful for our mental health and our brain health and gut health. Yeah, so our, our gut, it's really interesting. I mean, it's not just there for, for digestion, like 70% of our immunity, so that ability to fight infection is found in our gut. Our gut actually is where our happy hormones are made and um, it's not in the brain. Well, we do have some in our brain, um, but this idea that depression is we don't have enough happy hormones in our brain has never been proven. Um, there isn't research in the world that's ever measured those brain chemicals. And uh, and so it's, it, you know, when sort of 70, 80% is actually found in our guts, you know, it, it is depression a gut issue? And so, so when we fast, we're giving our body an opportunity, our gut, an opportunity to do all the other brilliant things that it's good at and not constantly having to digest because we are grazing through the day. 
Um, so, so fasting, you know, is just brilliant for immunity, gut health, every aspect of our health. And I think finding rhythms that really work for you is what's important with fasting. So I love intermittent fasting and that's how I do life. Um, but some people like to do extended fasts um, and that works better for them. Yeah. What do you do? Um, I've only done really done a 24 hour one uh, one time. Um, I'm actually yeah. going to try a, I'm going to try a 36 hour one. Um, but I've got actually got yeah. I've got Eric, a guy coming on the podcast who does a seventy-two hour fast every every month. Okay. He does a seventy-two hour one, and again I'm just okay. find out why why he does it yeah. so extended. If yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean it's really interesting. So there's that kind of fasting. So for people that don't know, you know, twenty four hours, you still drink water. Um, you know, you might still have a black coffee, but you wouldn't take any food. But there is a type of fasting called intermittent fasting or time restricted eating, and um, and what that is is that you narrow the window in which you eat in the daytime. So for me, I don't eat until midday. I'll have a black coffee in the morning and I'll drink, and then by about six seven o'clock, um, I've finished my meals and I don't eat after that on the whole you know um but but that would be my default and that would be called an intermittent fast now if you look at how long we eat for as a nation we actually eat over 16 hours so actually sometimes you only have to bring it down to eight till eight you know 12 hours and you're going to start getting benefits and i think in terms of those benefits you know which is best should we be doing a 24 hour what about intermittent fasting there are no head-to-head studies all of them show benefit and actually your body starts to do that thing where it hoovers up the cancer cells and boosts your immunity and you know you go into this um, ketosis where you start using you know using fat as a fuel to fuel your brain and and that probably happens anywhere between sort of 10 and 14 hours having not eaten so even if you did a 12 hour you know you're going to start getting some of the benefits but you might want to just try a couple of days a week where you think you know what I'm going to skip breakfast um you know I'm going to drink plenty of water and have a cup of coffee and um but I'm not going to eat until sort of 11 or 12 o'clock you'd be surprised um just how easy it is and how good you feel um and so or maybe you can't leave the house without breakfast but actually when you get to sort of four or five o'clock you're done and you don't do the evening it's working out what works for your body you know at the end of the day habits that we enjoy we do um if we don't enjoy them we won't do them i mean you you know that from training people you know and um and so so it's finding things that bring you life but um yeah i I hate 24-hour fasts and prolonged fasts um they they just don't suit me but the intermittent fasting really suits me yeah i don't i don't find it too difficult to be honest it was um mm. i had ross on the podcast a motivational dude and he does a extended one and the analogy that he used he does it for a, a gut function and gut health is say me and yeah. you were at a house party and we had friends coming it's snowing outside and we go out and we shovel the snow but we only get halfway and the snow comes back in and that's what he was saying it's like what we do is if we stop eating at eight o'clock and we uh, eat again at eight o'clock in the morning, then we are not allowing yeah. ourselves to kind of empty our stomach. Whereas if we had done a one prolonged yeah. one, we can snow yeah. the, the uh, clear the path. Yeah, I, so I think the research shows that you cleared the path by about fourteen hours. Right, okay. Um, so I think you can get the benefits of and and it's and it's interesting. There's definitely probably more benefits to come. You know, the more the more prolonged you do, but you do you do have to be careful with fasting as well. Like um, it can be a stressor. So if you're chronically stressed, 
um, it isn't a good idea to be to be doing it. Obviously, if you're pregnant and breastfeeding, don't be doing it. And if you've got eating issues, yeah. you know, um, any disorders, we don't want to get people in a pickle over that. Um, but it's a wonderful weight loss tool and a wonderful um, tool for reversing diabetes and because it really improves insulin sensitivity. Um, so it can be a real helpful tool, you know, in in somebody's kind of toolbox for getting getting well. Yeah. Yeah. If you so give me a couple of tips for someone who has to prepare a meal. So say I'm getting ready to prepare my dinner at say five o'clock. A couple of tips mm. that can give me like what I should be doing in preparation and how I should be aiming to like eat my meal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would always when I'm thinking of creating a meal is um always whatever meal, breakfast, dinner, lunch, always have some source of fat and protein in it. Um, and because that is what's going to fill you up and that is what is going to satisfy you. And then I would aim for like, you know, 70% of that plate. If you're looking at a plate to be vegetable sauce, now vegetable sauce can include pulses and nuts and beans and spices. And, you know, think I'm not just talking about the leafy stuff. And my biggest tip, especially for women is always, always have a group of vegetables called the brassicas. So that would be your broccoli, cauliflower, spinach, pak choy, um, because they're really important in helping um, detoxification of our hormones and keeping us really nice and healthy. So we always have some some brassicas on on the um, plate. And the key to really getting them um, very potent uh, uh, detoxifiers is to prepare them about 20 minutes before. So chop them up and leave them before you cook them. Um, because it does this thing with this really potent little chemical called sulforaphane that really um, is, is amazing in detoxification. So I'd always have some brassicas. I would go plant slant um, definitely have some fat there to um, fill you up. And uh, don't be afraid of roasting your vegetables. You know, it really enhances the flavor. Don't be afraid of fat um, and keeping the kind of refined carbohydrates. You just don't need it. You know, you'll feel full uh, on that and you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. Now, can I ask one thing about the fermented kind of cabbage? I, I think you talk about that yeah. in the, the webinar. Yeah. So thoughts on and why you should be um, trying yep. something like that? Yes. So um, what's really interesting is we have these wonderful gut bacteria that are doing all these wonderful jobs. And the reason that I say plant slant, one of the phrases I use with my kids is eat the rainbow, um, you know, just having lots of different colours, is that our guts just totally love fibre and um, and they're going to do wonderful things for you if you feed them. They just love to eat like we do. Um, and also all your different colours have all, the, all these wonderful um, phytonutrients that work their magic in um, the, the bowel there. What was your question? About the fermented cabbage. Got on. Yeah. Ah, so, yes, that. that's it. Yeah. So we have all these wonderful bacteria. And now when you ferment foods, you're using bacteria to change them. And, and that bacteria actually helps break them down and release vitamins and minerals and actually makes the, the nutrients in the food easier for us to digest. But there's some thought. I don't think there's the research yet to prove that, but actually it's a way of getting good bacteria into your gut. Yeah. Um, it's called a probiotic food, which means it's got bacteria in it good bacteria that that goes on um you know and and maybe influences the gut the, the gut bacteria in our in our gut but at the end of the day we need to feed our gut bacteria we need to get processed food out of our diet highly processed food and we need to get that whole food diet eat that rainbow go plant slant and you can change your gut bacteria within two or three days and then it's doing all those wonderful things keeping us cancer free and moderating our immunity and our sugars and it's amazing yeah brilliant 
Tell us a wee bit about the course that you've put together as well. So tell us a bit about that and if, if where people can go if they're interested. Yeah, in... yeah. Totally. So I have a few courses. So I have my little clinic, but I, I've always felt it's really accessible, you know, unaccessible for a lot of people. It's expensive. And so what I've done, um, my passion is to give agency um, back to people over their health. So I do six week courses and um, I only have 15 people on and um, and I've got one on gut health, one on uh, weight loss. Um, I've got one on hormonal health and one on cancer recovery. And and in that time, you know, I just take the foundations and, and really unpack, you know, what, what they're about and give practical tools for how do you do that? I give the why, because I think people need to understand the why, like, you know, and, and grapple with that. But then the tools of how you do that. And we kind of just, you know, go through our six weeks kind of building up that picture of what that can look like and how we can build that life that's going to sustain us and make us feel better. Um, and yeah, so you can find out about them on my website. And, um, you know, if you want a code spring 2021, you can get 25% off with that code. I'm really happy for you to use that. Um, and I've got some places coming up in, I think, April, May. I've got some new ones coming up. But yeah, people have really enjoyed it. And because now everything's Zoom, you could just do it in your pyjamas from home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the comfort you know about the, the home learning <laughs> um yeah. where can people if people want to get a wee, just a wee bit more like stuff about maybe on social media where can they grab you there yeah my main i mean i'm on all of them youtube and uh, facebook and um instagram my main one where i interact the most is instagram so my handle is dr sally bell on all of them um and um but that's probably the one where you're going to get my attention and uh, and have a chat so yeah. <laughs> yeah dm me and ask me your questions yeah so if they want to get more information on maybe gut yeah. health or where you maybe could improve on kind of improving your sleep or your stress um just make sure you give it a fault um thanks for coming on it's been a good chat and i've grabbed a few things Great. that um that i wanted to know about as well and i think it's a lot that people can uh, take away from it brilliant no it's been a pleasure so brilliant thank right. you very much for having me on thanks for coming on cheers